0: When I think of a garden, I imagine the posies and tulips and hyacinths, the daffodils, the peonies, the roses, all singing in a choir to the sky. But in order for them to sing as we know they can, much work has to be done. Think of the raking, the hoeing, the planting of the seeds, the watering, the fertilizing. The list can get exhausting. So look outside the window today, listeners, because spring has sprung. And today, we're going to explore the work we need to do to make our gardens flower as they should, both literally and figuratively, on today's Explorations with Leslie Tanner. The music's still going. Why is it still going? Can we just shorten this later? I said everything that I needed to say. Do hey, you want me to just keep talking? Um, gardening can be a fulfilling and important uh, expo- explorations with Leslie Tanner. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Explorations with Leslie Tanner. My name is Leslie Tanner, I'll be your host today for Explorations. Um, I apologize for that initial hiccup, I'm not really sure what the malfunction was there. Usually our intro is a little bit shorter than that. Um, but anyway, let's keep going. So, as many of you I'm sure have noticed, spring has sprung. It is the most fertile, joyous time of the year. It is spring, a time when we celebrate the joy of life. And one thing that I get excited about every year is gardening. I love a garden. I have a a little community plot in our garden in town, and I have so much fun rearing plants both there and inside my home. So if you're a novice gardener or if you're looking to get into it, please lend me your ears because I would love to show you the things that I've gained through the years of gardening. Also coming up, um, I had a chance to catch up with a friend, Ray Cartier, who oddly enough has a gardening pot right next to mine in the community garden, and we got a chance to talk about his work at the Teen Zone, uh, which is, if you're not familiar, it is the Teen Center next to the Burger King on Route 4. Um, He runs a thing called uh, Gay Reversion Camp Or Gay Reversion Therapy So he he finds gay children and brings them back into the gay fold After they've uh, been forced to go to gay conversion camps So he is doing extremely important work with our youth uh, Helping them love themselves And I was lucky enough to sit down with him while at our garden And we have an excerpt from that coming up a little bit later And I'm very excited to share with you But before we get to the fun stuff There is a little bit of business to take care of. This episode is sponsored by the Gyro Place by the Courthouse. It is still open during the construction over there. Um, I'm not sure what the name of the Gyro Place is. They did not tell me. Um, I think it's Gyro Hut or Gyro Prince or... Whatever, it is in fact open while they're redoing the sidewalk by the courthouse. Um, We contacted the city to see how long the construction was going to take, and they didn't have a specific answer for us. So, Gyromania, or whatever the name uh, is, took some ad space out in this week's episode to make sure that everyone knew they're open as all get-out, even though it's arguably inaccessible due to the lack of sidewalk and labyrinth of scaffolding. To be honest, I don't even get the gyro when I'm there. It's usually, it's usually rib tips for me. Or a pizza puff if I'm running errands and I just need to grab something quick. I don't think, I don't know if I've ever had a gyro in my life. (laughs) Are are they good? Uh, Listeners, if you're out there and you have a strong opinion either way on gyros, uh, please go ahead and shoot me a letter or give me a call. So is it worth the risk? Please give us a call here at the studio. So that takes care of that. Uh, so what's been going on with me lately? Hmm. Well, I was at the uh, at the mall last week and I picked up a new tape. Uh, it's just bird sounds. I've been listening to it at home. That's been pretty nice. Brings a little bit of the outside in is what I like about it. Sometimes going outside isn't an option or when winter comes it'd be nice to have bird sounds to listen to because there's none outside during the winter. So that might brighten up the winter months coming up in another nine months or so um, but sometimes I copy the bird sounds just to see if I can do it i'm not I'm not very good I'm no ornithologist or bird call expert but um, I have been working on the sparrow the sparrow is actually it's the most common bird I'm sure you see it around it's very small and brown and it is the the ferret of the bird world. If you have heard that saying, um, and I believe it to be true, they are—they're fun and they smell a little weird when you get close to them. But uh, anyway, goes like a little. No, that was. Let me get a little a sip of water real quick. Hold on. Let's take another running start at that sparrow. Oh, that was almost it. Hmm. Well, I guess got a little bit of work to do on that, but uh, yeah, if you see a, a tape like that laying around where you can bring the outside in, especially at a different time of the year, it can be really nurturing and yeah that's about it. that was that was about it for me this week um so I would like to show you an excerpt of a conversation I had with my friend Ray Cartier. again, his garden plot is right next to mine and gave us an excellent opportunity to catch up and talk about his work at the teen zone. so without further ado, here let's punch right in so uh Ray. It's wonderful to have you on the show. It's wonderful to be here.
1: Uh, doc- not going to say it. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. Not going to say it's it. Okay.
0: It's okay. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for everyone to get used to that. Uh, apparently, the problem was that you, you can't just call yourself doctor. I, did, I do not have a PhD or whatever else that allows you to legally call yourself a doctor.
1: Well, maybe I'll just call you Doc. How about that?
0: <laughs> oh, please don't, actually. I think that's probably going to be a problem. Um, but anyway, Ray is a, is a gardening fanatic. Let's just start there. Mm-hmm. Ray? I love to watch things grow. I love to watch things blossom. Absolutely. And your garden, to be honest, looks so much better than mine. <laughs> At well,
1: the plot, I've, I've had years of practice. Of uh, hard planting that I've had
0: to do. Oh, I and I don't doubt it. Um, so, my garden looks like Chernobyl. It looks as if it's been poisoned from the inside out. So, what do you do to make your garden blossom? I like to take the dust
1: of my outer shell, things that I'm trying to be, things that I think people are making me be, and I am crushing it up. I'm crushing it up and putting it in the soil. Crushing because it. that is where dead things go.
0: Amazing. Into the soil. Oh, uh, Amazing. And I think that this is true for you, also true for me. The essential part of the process is there's death involved
1: mm mm-hmm. Death is all over gardening. Uh, you can't stop it from happening when you're trying to get something to grow. You cannot stop death from uh, coming up to your basil plants and infecting it with bacteria that makes it eat itself from the inside out.
0: Absolutely. Also, um, y- you know um, plot eight next to the one on the other side of mine? Mm-hmm. She was growing watermelons, and anyone who knows anything about watermelons knows that watermelons are the most intensive fruit or vegetable to grow anywhere in the northern hemisphere.
1: They choked out my thyme, I can tell you that.
0: I absolutely know that. Again, they they choked out my tomatoes and they choked out my basil, mm. the only two plants that I grow, period. And and you know what I did? I I killed all of her plants. I smashed all of her watermelon and I let them rot.
1: That was good for the rest of the garden because now the rest of the garden has fertilizer to grow and not be strangled out by some. Some.
0: Some. some say some it. Selfish say it. No
1: some selfish witch
0: some selfish witch I don't think I'm ready to use the term witch but I do feel, uh, emotionally I feel as if I'm there you've led me to the term witch for this woman so I don't think we need to name her name Mm-mm. but she is a sore on that garden so if you are listening uh, and you are this woman that is growing these watermelons I do, I do not think we need to make this clearer you need to take a hike
1: you need it out
0: you need you out. You need out. Okay, so, wow. It was great to hear some insight from your gardening. hmm So you, you're a teen coordinator. You're the team mm-hmm. uh, coordinator at the Teen Zone, right? I run the youth program at the Teen Zone. Wow. Okay, that's amazing work that you're doing. Wow, Taking, thank you. Uh, establishing the value of our local teens. So, Ray, what, what importance do the teenage years have, and what, what importance have they had to you? Well, they're very important years.
1: There is something very explosive happening, and a lot of people are coming into themselves. Um, The specific example with my early teen years was that Mm -hmm. I was beginning to realize that I was attracted to other men. Mm Mm-hmm. However, I was brought up in a place where that was not necessarily how my desire was supposed to be shaped, and mm-hmm. uh, so my desire was redirected.
0: Now, enlighten our listeners. What do you mean by redirection?
1: Um, I was a participant in a gay conversion camp. mm Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, I was uh, taken to a camp uh, in the beginning of winter. I remember there being frost, and uh, I was taken in, and I was converted into a straight person, and when I came out,
0: uh, there were flowers blooming. Wow. So let's take a magnifying glass to that little image. Uh, you went in, and there was frost on the ground. You came exactly. out; there were flowers blooming. Mm-hmm. So, how long would you say you were in this camp? I would guess about six, seven months. Six, seven months. Mm-hmm. What were some of the uh, What were some of the activities that went on in there to turn you into a straight person?
1: Uh, we would sit around in circles mostly and say things like. I affirm you as my loyal male partner. Uh, and things like, you are my platonic friend.
0: Wow. Um, so, next couple of years, you identified as straight, uh-huh. but the story doesn't end there, does it? It doesn't. Uh, things
1: were a little complicated. I, um... I entered uh, high school mm-hmm. I started to realize that my desire was not so changed from the time I went in I realized that I wanted to uh, let's just say I um i I know this is am radio That's so a, I can't hey go say ahead go ahead more, so it's true it's blue I just wanted to see what was going on uh, in that locker room and I knew that I actually wanted to be gay.
0: So at this point, you're 14, 15, 16 years old, and you're realizing you are not straight. You want to be gay. But, and I remember this from our conversation, that you didn't necessarily have anyone to give you the tools through which to become gay again. Uh, no. I felt
1: alone. I found myself praying night after night, like, God, make me gay. Take this affliction of straightness away
0: from me. I would like to take our focus back to the phrase, God, make me gay. God, make me gay. That was what it was all about. What did you do? You're at the bottom of a mountain. How are you going to climb that mountain? I'm sure you were asking
1: yourself. I, uh, you know, I was reading all these articles that were saying, take all that hate and rage and replace it with love. And uh, that's where I sprung on the image of the garden, only it wasn't necessarily love that I thought I should be planting. If rage was there, why not replace it with even more rage at what had been done to me? Uh, Why not uh, push it down deeper so that it could grow and protect me from all of the uh, original fear and anger and rage and hate that I had put in there to begin with?
0: Wow. So, Ray, tell me, what did you do with that fire then?
1: Um, I redirected it towards myself, but with the purposes of my original desires, you know, uh, when I went into conversion therapy, they told me things like, oh, you don't know what you want. You want to be strong. You want to be masculine. And I told myself, no, I want to be soft. I want to be gentle. But I told it to myself of, uh, from a place of rage and anger, I told myself, like, You want to be soft and gentle! And I would find myself carrying myself a little bit lighter, more delicate. I would tell myself, um, uh, You want to listen to more And I would find myself, uh, hitting the high notes to Chandelier. Wow.
0: The High Nose of Chandelier? Exactly, yeah. You got all the way up there? You should hear me at Teen Zone Karaoke. Oh my gosh, I've been meaning to come to Teen Zone Karaoke. Sunday nights, 8 o'clock. Sunday nights? Okay, Sunday nights, 8
1: o'clock. Shameless
0: (laughs) self-plug. So, uh, I've read about one and a half books in total about Buddhism, and from my understanding of Buddhism, Mm -hmm. they believe that that rage... It comes from a dragon, and that if you don't feed the dragon, the dragon starves to death. And that's how you should treat those feelings. So what you're saying is kind of like a counterpoint.
1: Yes, um, I think the Buddhists walk away from their fears. I think they are afraid of the dragon. They walk away from the dragon. They are cowards. Cowards. Pathetic, really. Coward. Uh, just a, a weak-willed bunch of people. Like uh, children.
0: A, it reminds me of children, to be honest. Like gaunt, pale children looking for their mothers, but unable to find her. They could barely lift a stone from the ground. That's how afraid they are of reality. And then they claim
1: that they aren't lifting the stone off the ground because they don't need to. They are, oh, how majestic of you without your needs. But, you know, uh, needlessness is a need in and of itself. So why don't you go cry under a tree and then present yourself with your own mindfulness, you pussy.
0: Exactly. No. I think it's exactly right. I, I think that you arrived right on it. Go cry under a tree, you pussy. Uh, so, I, I, but I didn't mean to derail. Us I'm, I'm sorry. That's part of the rage process. No, Literally, absolutely. I, I and I think apologize. that's. I think that is important. So you run at the teen zone. Mm-hmm. A, a a gay what Rever- was it reversion can reversion, reversion therapy yes um so what what give me for those of us that are unfamiliar with gay reversion therapy i lead
1: workshops weekend retreats and our goal is to to find straights that weren't always straight to Go to high schools and sniff them out, hunt them out of their high schools, and single them out and take them away from their communities, from their peers, and revert them back to their original desires. And tell them it's okay to wear your mom's mustard seed colored pumps, it's okay to walk around the neighborhood and say you're Mary Poppins, uh, because this is what our original desires are all about.
0: Wow, amazing. So you both literally and emotionally hunt the gays in Indiana to let them know it's okay to be themselves.
1: Exactly.
0: Ray, what you've given us is a gift. And I congratulate you on the success of your journey. We're all going to give him a round of applause.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh,
0: So thank you again, Ray, for setting the time aside to share your journey and share your work with us. I'm sure we'll be hearing from Ray again on Explorations because what a unique individual so let's get into it gardening it's springtime and what better time to think about life fertility creation and gardening itself wow the process of guiding and facilitating life itself you give life to a being and all the while it gives life to you doesn't it (laughs) you plant the seeds and they sprout but as they sprout they not only give you oxygen but also purpose connection with another life form and even aesthetic beauty What an amazing process this is to be a part of. So if you have a garden or are thinking about starting one this spring, I'm going to share with you some tips and tricks that I've accumulated along my journey. I personally have never successfully reared a plant into life past a couple of weeks, but I do not think that is important. Listen with a grain of salt, as my listeners always do, to what I'm about to share with you and see if there isn't a helpful hint that you might be able to pick up about gardening, not only your plants, but also your mind. So first, plant the seed. At this point, I'm excited about possibility, and that excitement is fuel in my tank. When you think about where you're coming from, death and failure, and exactly where you're heading, also death and failure, the searing bravery to fly in the face of this is nothing short of amazing. So at this point, it's important to concentrate on getting pumped up. Play some music from a dance club. Do some affirmations in the mirror. Wear a sexy outfit around the house. You are in control of your destiny. You are the captain of your own ship. This is the state of mind one should be in when creating life, in a moment divorced from the shackles of the past and absolute inevitability of the future. Secondly, this plant now depends on you entirely. It's very survival a delicate egg in your hands at all times. Just as delicate, however, is the tightrope you now walk for becoming a version of yourself that you despise. You must adopt a rigid, brutal focus and discipline. Did you sleep in later than normal? The plant's water cycle must be maintained. Did you filter the water? Are you sure that this strand of plant can handle unfiltered tap water? Did you adequately clean the pot before you filled it with soil to rid it from plant diseases? Have you been thinking about those plant diseases enough? Make a list of things for you to watch out for, and when that list is full, make another. Make lists within your lists. Create a system to organize your sublists. At this point, it is critical to indulge this muscle in your mind. Both your future and the future of your plant is at stake. So, under the third stage, take breaks. In the previous step, I'm sure you noticed a shift from brazen excitement to a harsh, focused discipline to keep your own habits at bay. However, this emotional shift can cause an overwhelming stress that is burdensome. Remind yourself that it's not necessary for you to think about it all the time. After all, you brought this life into your world to better your life. Don't forget whose health is more important. And it's not the plants. <laughs> it's just a plan. To use an analogy, when we're on an airplane, the stewardess tells us that in the event of an emergency, to put the air mask on ourselves before we put it on others, especially in the case of children. So when the stress of plant rearing gets overwhelming, it is important to self-care. Take some time from the plant. Ignore it for a while. Listen to some tapes. Go on a walk. Do literally anything but think about this plant when it starts to stress you out. In the next and final stage, this stress from stage 2 will have lingered long enough and your self-care of stage 3 will no longer work. So it will be time to take more extreme self-preservation measures from the now-crushing stress of raising this plant that has now become a parasite. The needs of this plant will be too much, you simply won't be able to handle it anymore. This is your home, your safe space. You have needs, and the stress of caring for this plant will be too much. At this point, it is not only okay to let the plant die, but absolutely encouraged. You will most likely feel swings of guilt and will preen, water, even talk to the plant, apologizing to it for being negligent, but this will pass. The resentment of the plant's mere presence will increasingly take hold until it will become one with the parts of yourself you hate and avoid at all costs. At this point, let it die and let yourself be free from this thing that once gave life but now is a spiritual leech in your own home. Be free from it, and bask in your freedom. God's in his heaven, and all's right in the world. So these are the basics of gardening. I normally keep plants for about three weeks at a time, if that, and re- Regardless of the kind of plant, uh, flowers, ferns, trees, anything, uh, they always die. And following the death of that plant, I usually give it a couple months of reflection on the process. Why I keep doing what I do, how I should change or not change, what level of happiness I'm entitled to, if any at all, until I arrive back at the beginning, the reckless excitement of perceived freedom, and I begin again. As you incorporate what I've included here, don't be afraid to add your own little spin to it. I'd love to hear what you come up with, so don't be afraid to write or call me at the studio or my home. I'd love to interact with you about gardening. Up next is maybe my favorite segment of the show where we take questions from listeners. So, without further ado, Inquiries from the Edge. Okay, this is from Ramsey G from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Ramsey, thanks for listening to the show. I appreciate it. Hi, Dr. Tanner. Once again, Ramsey, please do not refer to me as doctor. I'm, you are putting me at a legal risk every single time you do this. Just Leslie is fine. Um, hi, I'm just going to say Leslie Tanner. I'm nervous about vocalizing these feelings I have, but I feel that it's important to get off my chest. My wife had our baby this last year, and the thing is, I hate it. I hate it with a fiery passion. I can't stand its crying, whining, or any noises that come out of its body, which has no consideration for anything other than its own selfish, brainless desires. I hate that I have to care for this thing every night when I come from work and even when I'm supposed to be sleeping. I told my wife I hated the baby, and she won't look at me the same anymore. I feel terrible, but I don't think I'm in the wrong. What do I do? Wow, Ramsey, thank you so much for the bravery in writing into the show. Ramsey, this might not be helpful, but I absolutely agree with you. I absolutely agree. I have had nightmares where I've had children and I've had to drown them in a bathtub. Do I enjoy having these dreams? No, I feel terrible. It's counter to the very biology through which we've evolved. But do I also enjoy drowning these children in my dreams? Yes. It's because it's not just about extinguishing a life. It's reclaiming something that is mine. It's reclaiming my will. It's reclaiming my future. It's reclaiming Leslie. Leslie. So I want you to think about this as you have further conversations with your wife. Um, I want you to think about what do you want? What does Ramsey's future look like? Does Ramsey's future look like he's changing poop diapers and teaching this little effing thing how to drive? You are in the driver's seat right now, Ramsey, and I think you should remind yourself you're the only person that is in the driver's seat. I want you to play an exercise, Ramsey. I want you to do a guided relaxation. If you need me to send you one on tape, I will absolutely be happy to do that. So I want you to relax and put yourself in a room, the consequence-free room, with your child. What do you do? What are your desires? And you are the only person who makes that call. And if you are not your desires, what are you, Ramsey? What are you? So, hopefully we gave you something to work with Ramsey G from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania I, I If you need any further guidance, please go ahead and write me at the show. Call me up at the studio or my home um, and i'd be happy to further assist you if I need to come out there uh, you if you fly me out i will uh, I will visit so That about does it for Explorations this week. Uh, I'd like to thank, again, Ray Cartier for sharing his journey with us. Um, And just a little bit of homework to take home, I want you to think about your favorite soda. Uh, Just think about your favorite soda every day. Think about drinking it, but don't drink it just as an exercise. Normally, I know you'd like to drink your soda, but don't drink it and see what comes up. Do you see pictures of the future, the past? What do each of those look like? And what does that mean uh, for your libido? Uh, So thank you so much. This has been Explorations with Leslie Tanner.